0: I'm Roman Mars. This is 99% Invisible. So the content for 99% Invisible is actually really good. It does talk about interesting things. One of my favorite episodes for 99% Invisible was actually um, an episode where he talks about the sound engineering and the show Hannibal.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: I don't know if you've ever watched Hannibal, if you haven't.
1: No, I haven't. But yes, in my mind, it's like, it's a very high quality show that I should be watching.
0: It's like, to me, the first two seasons of Hannibal are like Battlestar Galactica quality.
1: Oh, damn.
0: Yeah. Like the production, the storyline, the writing, like the things that they do with the characters is really, really well done and so well written. And everything from, like, the the visuals to um, the long story arc to, like, the symbolism to the sound engineering is very precise. Um, I feel like they've thought about everything. And Roman Mars was actually, uh, did this great show on the sound en- engineering of that, of Hannibal. Mm. That was one of the really good podcasts that I heard.
1: The content was good.
0: The content was very good. But I didn't really notice it back then. But yeah, I I am I am kind of irked by the way that Roman Mars talks into his mic.
1: So it's not just him talking slow, because he does also have a slow delivery. He does. And um, his voice but is quite deep.
0: His voice is quite, deep. and he yeah, oh, you, you have to you have to you have to get up into the mic right here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, he gets like he gets right on top of it. Yeah,
0: it's like. I'm like, I'm like touching the mic with my lips pretty much.
1: Pretty ridiculous how close I was to that mic. Yeah, right. You don't have an external pop filter, right? You're just, this is... I do,
0: I do have a pop filter. Okay. Um, so my my lips were touching the pop filter and actually going through.
1: <laughs> like... Oh, wow. Okay. So you, are you using the pile right now?
0: Uh, I am using the pile.
1: And you sound great. Thank you. You sound like $12 great.
0: Bargain microphone for Primo Sounds. So yeah, so Roman Mars, the reason why I brought up Roman Mars is because we had an interesting Twitter chat regarding jelly beans.
1: I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> jelly beans, eh?
0: It was him being frustrated about the fact that he couldn't tell which jelly bean was which.
1: Now, is this the Jelly Belly bean? This
0: is the Jelly Belly company, yes.
1: Are there any other beans or are they, have they pretty much mm. sewn up the market?
0: They are pretty much the jelly bean market, unless you get the generic ones, which I don't think you want.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: Now, even like the Harry Potter brand jelly beans, the oh, Burgots and something. Right. They are made by Jelly Belly. And what a what a great move by Jelly Belly to do wow. that.
1: Yeah. Because yep. I know they did do the, I think even before Harry Potter, they had like the random flavored, almost like jelly bean roulette.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Roman Mars said something to the point of, I can't stand how I can't tell the difference between a bean or something to something to that point. Mm -hmm. But then I reminded him, um, if you remember like even like 20 years ago, jelly belly jelly beans were awful.
1: I don't recall that, but I've never, I've never had a sweet tooth, but
0: right. Yeah. They tasted really gross. Like, you know, the blue tasted like blue and Mm, then the red tasted (laughs) like red. And they had this like really strange, like stuffy powdery quality to the taste. You couldn't really eat more than, you know, like five, which was wow. kind of gross.
1: Mm. I and mean, maybe that's a good thing.
0: Maybe that was a good thing. In hindsight, but yes, still. Yeah.
1: No, if you're, if you're expecting a delicious jelly bean, Jelly Belly were not the ones you wanted.
0: Exactly. And then they did this, like, revamp of, like, doing this crazy spectrum of flavors. And I think they might have... I, my, my suspicion is they hired, like, um, one of those scent companies... That do like the custom fragrances of f- foods. They're also like a company that's um, hired by Lancome, that can chemically um, pinpoint a flavor
1: profile. Right, so, that's some crazy stuff going on there. Yeah.
0: Know? So like you can, they can go from like making it taste like grass to adding like a drop of a chemical and make it taste like lemons. You know, something like that.
2: Make lemon grass
1: if you. Lemon grass. <laughs> Or I wonder if it was like Apple and, you know, originally he, had, you know, there was a Steve Jobs of jelly beans and he had a dream of a better bean, but then he got ousted as CEO and they made terrible beans and then he bored his way back in and turned it around with his vision for the future of jelly beans.
0: This could be a movie.
1: We get Aaron Sorkin to write it.
0: And Michael Fassbender to star in yes. it. Yes.
1: We should watch that movie. Can we make that the next joint endeavor that we do?
0: The big title says Jelly Belly. (laughs) But yeah, so we were chatting about that and um, I told him, yeah, it was really crappy 20 years ago and he's like, yeah, you know, I get that. But really it's, you know, the hard time between um, blackberry versus licorice flavor, which are arguably the two best... And worst flavors.
1: <laughs> Blueberry being the best and licorice being the worst?
0: Blackberry being one of the best mm, and okay. yep. licorice being the worst. So that's like the normal um, jelly bean packet. If you look at like the, the extended set of jelly beans, they actually have like earwax flavor. It gets pretty raunchy.
1: And, 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 and people willingly buy earwax flavored jelly beans?
0: I think that's more in the extended spectrum, which is harder to find of the Jelly Belly flavor.
1: It's like the extended universe of Star Wars. (laughs) Exactly.
0: You know, like normally you get the 32-piece Crayola set, right? Like you don't need 17 shades of gray or blue.
1: (laughs) Or 50 for that matter.
0: But some people, they get like the 128 set or the 64 set, which seems excessive.
1: But look at their delicious palette of colors that they have. (laughs) Uh, Tell me more about this tweet conversation because I'm still a little bit um, unclear as to... What exactly happened? Roman Mars was complaining about telling the difference between the flavors or difference being able to identify them visually before eating them.
0: So he was complaining about that. And then I said to something to the point of, we should be thankful because of oh, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. Before Steve Jobs came back to be- fix jelly Before belly. the
0: jelly belly Steve Jobs came back. <laughs> and he said, yes, I get that. But my problem right now is I can't tell the difference between blackberry and licorice. And then I said, "You know, Jelly Belly is is like a roulette. You just have to go for it."
1: <laughs> you know, in a typical week, how many Jelly Belly jelly beans would you eat? I would say like five. I am a member of Costco, so they have
0: like a five pound <laughs> case of jelly beans, it's like a
1: giant sack of jelly beans. I see. Exactly. <laughs> okay.
0: Which, and I'm grateful for it because on the back it shows you exactly which jelly bean is which. Like, um, they show the actual size photo of the bean with the (laughs) color, and it tells you what flavor it is, right? And even there, like, the blackberry and the licorice do look similar. Mm. Another one that looks similar as well is um, caramel corn and buttered popcorn.
1: Like, why couldn't they just print the name on the bean? Mm. People have inscribed the whole Bible on a grain of rice surely is not beyond the capabilities of Jelly Belly Steve Jobs to go. I now will write the name of the flavor on each of these beans. Is the Bible rice in full <laughs> manufacture mode? That's a good, that's a good question. I'm not is sure. it
0: being sold in Costco by the millions? So I think, yeah, the quality of actually printing the words might. Overall, like, I don't think anyone's really complaining except for Roman Mars.
1: Do we have jelly Beans at work?
0: Uh, no, we do not. Uh, okay. Would you like me to bring you some jelly beans?
1: Sure, I'm trying to think of the last time I ate jelly beans and I honestly cannot remember. So yes, I would love some jelly beans. Okay,
0: I'll bring you some tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. Cannot believe we had a 20-minute chat about jelly beans. <laughs> so what sound do you use for your phone alarm?
1: Just the, I think it's the default, the little marimba.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> Have you ever heard by the seaside? Here, I will play it for you. Okay.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's, um, smooth.
0: I feel like I'm on hold with the IRS or (laughs) something. But yeah, that is what I use, and it's very pleasant.
1: Yeah, because I use...
0: Oh, that's... That's horrible.
1: Well, isn't that what you want, though, in an alarm? Like, you don't well, want it to be like, ah, oh, a nice soothing alarm. You want like a, oh, God, what's what's happening? Who said that? What?
0: No, because that just sets you up for a really bad morning, I feel. Mm. Unless you had like eight hours of sleep, then I guess that's great.
1: Okay, tell you what. All right, Sam. i switched to buy the seaside. I will, <laughs> I will wake up tomorrow to buy the seaside, and I will report back. Great. On whether I'm still asleep at 10 a.m. <laughs> or not. Uh, let's do some corrections, omissions, and updates. So you played another round of Mysterium. Yeah. A board game we talked about last week. Right. Which you played, so you played once, and now you've got like a second, a second opinion, I guess? I did
0: a second round. So the first mm. time I played, um, just as a brief refresher, this is a game where um, all the other players playing in co-op are psychics that have entered a house and they need to solve a murder. Mm-hmm. And the way that they solve a murder is to get clues from the ghost, who is the other player. Um, and the ghost cannot say anything... All the ghosts can do is show them cards, which leads to um, who the murderer might be. So last time I played as a psychic, which was super fun.
1: (gasps) Were you the ghost this time?
0: I was the ghost this time, and it's a totally different game. Wow. So first of all, I think the the dynamics is really good. Being a ghost is completely different. So,
1: Did you play with kind of the same people as last time?
0: I did. I played with maybe three of the same people that I played last time. Even even though even the same cards were available to me, the way that I used it was completely different from the way that the other ghosts used it.
1: Oh, I see. Ghost um, tactics, I like it.
0: And what's really hard is that you only have a limited number of these vision cards to choose from. Mm-hmm. And when we played this round, we've actually played it at a higher level, meaning that um, there were more suspects that I had to... Uh, that the That the psychics had to choose from
1: oh i see right the more suspects the harder the game
0: right so what i intended to be like okay so if i choose this ball of yarn as the vision obviously it will point to um the old lady who has like a, a carpet next to her or something like that right mm-hmm. and like her profile picture and but then what was also different is that i didn't see that one of the other cards actually had, like, a knitting, you know, like a knitting tool or something like that.
1: A, kn- a knitting needle, if you will. A knitting
0: needle, right. <laughs> you, the pro of knitting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I should do a knitting update at some point, but maybe next week.
0: <laughs> Those kind of things can sort of mess you up and could lead to turns being lost and the, the, the psychics not progressing to the next stage. And that allows us for um, a more exciting game. But, yeah, it was uh, still very fun. Um, I would definitely still play it again.
1: Okay, and or if you play it a third time, perhaps I shall join in.
0: Yes, you should. <laughs> it's great because uh, seven people can play, which is uncommon.
1: Yeah, it's tricky to find a board game for that many people. And I think that's it for our corrections, omissions, and updates. In fact, there is a bullet point that says, I think that's it. I think that's it. Book club. Bling. So it took us um, 50% longer than we thought it would. Right. But we are now ready to talk about The Peripheral.
0: The Peripheral.
1: By William Gibson. So you listened to it on Audible? I did. Okay, yep, I read the, the hard copy version.
0: I actually had to do the combination tactic as well because I got so lost in the beginning with mm. all the phrases, which is actually going to be one of my points, so we can address that as we talk more about it.
1: Does that mean you had to buy the Kindle version as well, or did you...?
0: Yes, I had to buy the Kindle version.
1: I guess some of it, we should attempt to summarize this book... In the beginning. Right. Should we and do.
0: I mean, are spoilers even necessary at this point?
1: This is a book club that we're talking about the book. But <laughs> right. I think it probably behooves us to say let, it is spoilers. So if you haven't read The Peripheral by William Gibson and you want to, and I suggest you do, go read it now. And then we'll be right here. In three weeks' time, come back and <laughs> finish listening to this review. I like attempt to summarize this plot?
0: Yeah. Well, what kind of a book is it? Like, what kind of story is this?
1: It, this is near-future science fiction. Near-ish future science fiction. It's never actually established when this takes place, but it feels like maybe the twenty-one, twenty-one 2100s, 2200s, perhaps?
0: Near-ish future, mm-hmm. where a lot of the stuff you can still relate to.
1: And some things not so much.
0: Right. I'd also say that it's a murder mystery.
1: And it's, yes, it's a murder mystery wrapped up in a science fiction time-travelling story. Right. Oh my god, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I'm just going to start talking, and then hopefully I can edit it into some kind of coherence. Every other chapter flips between two worlds. It's difficult to know which is the, hmm, the main, or the real world, for the sake of argument in this book. It's established that these two worlds are about 70 years apart. I think... I'm going to say the world 70 years in the future is the real world and then the the world that 70 years before that they call it the stub. I think I'm going to go with that because that seems to be the angle the book comes from hmm. but you are first introduced to uh, a brother and sister who live in a stub and the stub is a continu- oh Jesus Christ it's a continuum of time right that is been separated from the future uh and is it's sort of like the many worlds uh theory and that, you know, at any point if someone makes a decision, the opposite decision branches off into a section of reality. So this is the idea that at some point one of these branches is possible to communicate with one of the branches that of reality. Where someone right. had made a different choice to yours. So you're in your branch of reality and then What happens in the other world is you can communicate, but it's not, but it never becomes your reality. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs)
0: There's, there's something that's really interesting. I think like for a good, um, maybe third, the initial third of the book, Mm -hmm. you're not really aware that one is the future and one is the past. That's only revealed when they make a, uh, conscious decision to bring one or the other into the other world somehow which we'll get to later but you can tell from the beginning like they're two completely different worlds but you can tell you can also kind of tell that they're going off of the same timeline because they're kind of talking about the same things and then when it comes to the reveal that um this world that you're first introduced to which is more of like a trailer park world it's more um it's a bit more country is known as the stub which is like the past a version of the past of this future world which is a lot like it seems very pristine it's like very clean super high technology um, and everyone is speaking with a british accent because i was listening to the audiobook
1: <laughs> reading it on the page you kind of blew, i didn't pick up on that but yes it is set in london so yeah it probably makes sense yeah so
0: everyone was uh, so you can tell like for me it was really easy to distinguish which world was which by the conversations because oh that's nice one was all speaking in british accents and another was more like a southern twang, which really helped me grasp uh, the different concepts. Mm. So what, and, uh, what this future world did is they created a stub by communicating uh, with the past. And I think in, in this world, like whenever you try and communicate with the past, it forms this connection. And once that connection is made, um, that past is then called a stub, which then uh, branches off into its own world And has its own timeline, essentially. Um, But what's really interesting is that they're both sharing the same time. Meaning, a minute past in the future world is a minute past in the old world. And so they can actually communicate with each other in real time. It's not like they have to leave each other messages or anything like that.
1: But those two realities will not converge again. They're now on their own path. So we're introduced to Flynn... And her brother Burton, who right are in the the trailer park world, should we call it? I'm gonna call it the trailer yep. park world, and they seem to make their living from playing games. There's mm-hmm. very much of a gamer culture for some for reasons I forget he can't they kind of earn their living from performing activities in games,
0: and these are like v r games where they're completely immersed in this world. Yeah. Um. Either controlling drones or something like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: So she steps in because he can't do a particular job for a reason. He has to go somewhere. He used to be in the army or the marines, and he got injured, and he's kind of on the like the the veterans' pay or the veterans' like um uh, subsidies. I think is what happening there, mm-hmm. and so she takes over just and it's a routine job. It's surveillance. She's flying a drone, and. What happened? So she is...
0: She witnesses um, these people that was sort of the job. Like, mm-hmm. she was told to, like, um, watch around, be a drone for this one building. Yeah. Um, and then as she was doing her job, she notices something in one of the windows of the building that she was covering. And it happened to be that she noticed a murder that occurred. Right. Um, but because this was a future world, the the way that the murder happened was completely different from what she had seen before. Mm-hmm. And she thought it was but a game she, as well, right? So right, yeah. right. So at this point, you know, the technology is really high. So I guess VR games are actually pretty commonplace. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you know, the, the I'm sure the games are uber realistic. Um, and so whenever she sees someone die, I mean, it could be misconstrued as a game character dying. Mm-hmm. But the way that the, the woman died was so unique and kind of not game-like. Uh, she kept wondering whether or not if it was actually a game or not. right there is something strange that just stuck with her
1: and then of course we find out that what she saw was actually happening in the future world in the the the, the London the future London world. From there, it turns out that basically everything hinges on the fact that she saw this murder, and mm-hmm. so that now puts her at risk because she's now a witness. And she's a witness to, mur- to this murder in both worlds. So it, it seems like in the future of London, there's like this, there's almost like this hobby of finding stubs or creating stubs. Through, uh, I'm not entirely clear how this happens, but there's a mysterious Chinese server somewhere that has mm-hmm. created that they can use to create this link back to uh, the to the trailer park world. Oh my gosh! Now I'm gonna. <laughs> help me, Sam, I'm struggling to summarize this because this is so crazy. (laughs) So the the story
0: is pretty complex because, like, the woman who turns out died had a relationship with one of the people in London, Wolf Netherton. Yeah, Yeah. he is a PR person. Mm -hmm. And he really, and, like, apparently in the future, um, PR is very important because everyone is sort of a, or a lot of people are um, reality show people, but it's gone beyond the point where, like, Pretty much everyday life is almost a reality show for some people. And he was a PR person for uh, the person that died. Um, And I think they had a brief relationship and I think he wanted to make up for her, make up something um, and hire this drone or something to to surveil her.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to go back and clarify exactly how that happened or why that happened. Right. Because, yeah, uh, I don't recall right now.
0: Right. But for some reason... um, wolf netherton did hire right um these drones and that's how wolf netherton in london is connected to the trailer park world
1: maybe it's cheaper is it is it it just purely financial i don't know do because also in the future london there is a the human population is is very tiny yeah after a catastrophic world event known as the jackpot (laughs) known as the jackpot yes so perhaps it was just a, a, a staffing issue. Like they, don't have, they can't find the people to do it. So That they, could very well just, be it. Yeah.
0: Well, so continuing on with the story. So it turns out that you know a murder did occur mm-hmm. in this future London. Let's just call it London. Yeah. Um, and so a police is set to the case, and the police's name is Lowbeer, And she is a super badass um, that <laughs> is plugged into everything, just pretty much knows everything. And uh, acts as a, um, acts as the detective of the story and trying to piece the two together. Right. So, through her recommendation, uh, she recommends that Flynn from the Stub World, and Flynn is the actual person that witnessed the murder. Right. Yes. And so, Lobier, the detective, recommends that Flynn joins um, the future world through a peripheral, which right. is... Um, Sort of a full-body VR suit and avatar system thingy, where a person in the past can hook something up uh, and control a full body with full sensory and vision in real time uh, in the future world.
1: But not actually go to the future. It's more like information can pass between the worlds. Right. But... You the the actual like Flynn in Trailer Park World is just lying down on a couch. Yep, she becomes almost like inert. Yeah, in Trailer Park World, but she still needs to breathe, eat, use the bathroom, mm-hmm. all those things in Trailer Park World. Even yep. though what she's seeing uh, and her sort of her consciousness almost is in in London,
0: right? And in London, um, peripherals are an everyday thing, so people can actually use peripheral to go. To different cities without actually being there. So that tech has already been established uh, right. in the future.
1: Word gets out that someone has witnessed this murder. Right. So then it seems that there is an organization then who wants to kill Flynn because she is witness to this murder. So the bad guys also have a connection back to the stub, to the trailer park world, and they start to influence events there. Right. But then with the help of Lobia and Netherton, uh, Flynn and, and Burton are then also put into a position of power and events are manipulated to uh, protect them.
0: And so they're now sort of fighting this battle between two timelines or two time. They'd be like time settings. <laughs> right. I don't want to call them time zones because it's not really time <laughs> <Yes>. zones. <laughs> Two time <laughs> yep. settings. And so whenever like Flynn is in the future trying to solve this thing in the future alongside uh, Wolf and Lobier, some people in the past or in like trailer park world have to protect um, Flynn's body essentially from being shot. Right. And the technology in like the trailer park world is also pretty advanced. So people are using drones yep. um, and uh, like these really cool squid suits that can do camouflage and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's very advanced technology there too, yeah, so it becomes a point of like, um okay, what do we what can we put in place in the rural in the trailer park world that can succeed there so that we can still have Flynn alive in this future setting with the peripheral right and So it comes to this point where they need to do they need to solve the murder pretty quickly
1: and so then in in London, it's kind of building up this one event where there is a meeting with the uh the murdered woman's sister right who is a she's an artist she's someone like high up in the arts she's a socialite she's a socialite right and so what needs to happen in the future is that netherton needs to get flynn or needs flynn's help to identify the man who murdered deirdre's sister alita alita yeah deirdre is throwing this lavish party and so what needs to happen is that Netherton and Flynn in the peripheral attend this party where they suspect the the murderer to be, and then Flynn can identify the murderer mm-hmm. visually. So right. that's kind of the big turning or the crux. That's kind of the convergence where everything is kind of comes together. That's why they need to keep Flynn alive in Trailer Park World long enough to be able to identify the murderer in london
0: and then it ends it's uh so everything sort of happens (laughs) yes um she does end up identifying the person and then good guys win
1: geez that was probably the longest brief (laughs) summation i've ever heard
0: so it is a very it is
1: a kind of a complex story so it, it, yes so if you hadn't gathered that it is a very complicated story <laughs> i
0: still think that we left enough so that a person who would actually read the story at this point can still enjoy it
1: right because right? Totally.
0: there's um... yeah
1: in fact to be honest that may have actually helped you figure out what the fuck is <laughs> <Right>. going on <laughs> it would
0: have been great if someone told me this so that i can go like oh, okay so this is when they're talking about this
1: <laughs> right shall we jump into the three by three yes by let's do three. three by three by three
0: by three by three yeah it's actually three by three because there are nine points
1: oh clever good i've learned something today you go first sam i think i went first last time the good the good point yeah it was a very
0: immersive story um and i really dug the sci-fi elements even if it was a little bit based on today's world it was sort of like uh, an amplified version of today which doesn't necessarily represent the tech in the future it was like um, the writer said, "Okay, what's super hot today? 3D printing. All right, let's. How do we extract mm. that? 20 years from now, or like 50 years from now? What's really hot? Drones. Okay, how do we extract that? 30 years from now? And then what's what what's the other thing that's really hot? VR. Okay, how do we extract that? 30 years from now? And essentially, it was like the future was sort of built around those sort of hot topics right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have a feeling if it was like the actual future, there would be things that we don't even think of." so um it wasn't as much of a sci-fi like mind fuck as i was expecting it was more of a um a relative uh future blast
1: yeah you were you it was a believable convincing world right but i see what you mean there's like there's nothing well what the fuck is this or out of yeah field
0: like completely sort of um like mind shifting like, I feel like if I read this maybe 20 or 30 years from now, like, all the concepts could possibly seem dated because we would have moved on from, like, 3D printing and, like,
1: VR. Yeah, the concepts were super cool. Right. That kind of leads me to my point. This is probably the f- probably one of the first time-traveling stories that I've seen or or read mm-hmm. where it totally worked. The whole fact of having these two separate continuums, or this whole two separate realities that don't actually overlap, was such an awesome idea. It's awesome because it's time travel, but it's not like a mind fuck. It's not like, oh, wait, so if he goes back, uh, right, and then changes this, what happens in the future? Yeah, it creates
0: like a really unique take on the cause and effect of time travel, right? Like the problem of most time travel stories is that it perceives time to be in sort of like this one line and this sort of makes it a little bit cooler that yeah, they're totally. actually sort of like parallel universe but skewed parallel universes.
1: Yeah, it fixes the, the grandfather paradox, mm, right. which um, is, you know, what happens if you go back and you prevent your own birth by killing your grandparents? <laughs> right with time travel and then that's always like an unsatisfying part of like linear time travel so
0: right or if you're like futurama you are your own grandparent
1: <laughs> thinking of time travel that just reminded me of probably my favorite time travel movie and that's primer have you ever seen that yes that i like that movie i mean it's ridiculous and
0: i watched it probably like three times i still don't know exactly how it works <laughs> right <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I'll find... Uh, there's a very helpful diagram that I found online that was like, oh, okay, right. So he goes into the box. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aside
0: from like the time travel, I think for me, time travel is always a little tricky. Mm. I think there are tons of questions that you can always extract from it. Like, you know, why is it that this one stub was only created? I think that was... Um, if, you know, people have the ability mm. to create multiple stubs, then...
1: Yeah, it felt like it was sort of suggested that there were lots of people, right. people would create these stubs as a hobby, sort of, I think. But yeah. I guess for the purpose of this story, you kind of, let's have to focus on the limited, limit the scope to these two.
0: I have a lot of questions regarding that, but I don't think that was the point of the story. So I kind of, <laughs> <Right>. um... <laughs> kind of like swept it under the rug um but i did like the my second point was that i really liked the characters i thought um everyone was initially everyone wasn't a charmer and i kind of like that everyone is just you can tell that they're very well thought of meaning you weren't aiming anyone to really be a hero
1: yeah you're right it's like oh this is our hero this is our villain Although, I right. guess you kind of know who the villain is, but can I take one of my bad points and insert it here? Yes. I, that's, I guess that's the flaw in the 3x3, three three is that when you have a good point, and then I have one that's like, oh, it's like a counter to that, I feel like I should probably put my counterpoint here. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. While the main characters, I would totally agree with you, while like Lobeer, Netherton, uh, Flynn, to some extent Burton, felt mm-hmm. fleshed out... I really struggled with all of the other male characters in yeah. in um in the trailer park world.
0: Connor and Macon,
1: uh, Tommy, yeah. Connor, Macon, Jimmy, Leon, Edward, Reese, Griff.
0: Griff, I love.
1: <laughs> Ask me now. I probably couldn't tell you the difference between any of those people. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like I except couldn't...
0: for except for except for maybe Connor, who is um... that's true.
1: Actually, yeah, okay, so Connor. But And then, like, Makon, I guess, is kind of the... He's
0: the tech guy in the real park world, yeah.
1: But in terms of, like, characters or personalities... Yep. Uh, perhaps certainly, certainly just from the reading the book, I couldn't tell you anything about their character.
0: Right. So how was it for you when there were, like, two or three people were speaking nonstop? Oh, awful. Awful, right? Like, because there was never... It's, I noticed that the writing <laughs> didn't have and she <laughs> said blah, blah, blah. Yes. And so... Macon said blah 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 right it was just like straight up dialogue right totally yes so for me it was really easy
1: yeah in audio form oh that's so awesome right
0: because everyone had an had a different accent Mm. and there was a slight intonation differences between the characters so in in
1: the audible book was it just Mm -hmm. one person reading it doing different accents or was it actually different actors as well
0: it was a female uh, voice actor Uh, acting out for most of the parts but did a pretty convincing job whenever it was like it was kind of silly like when she's doing like the British males
2: <laughs> okay,
0: she would be doing it with like a British accent and with lo- a low voice um, but you know you get you get over it after like the first few chapters
1: yeah because like what, what are you going to do in that situation yeah uh, but
0: so there are like five different guys with British accents and then five different guys with southern accents yeah because The real world everyone had like a southern accent, yeah, like a slightly southern accent. But the the way that she perceived every character was always spot on, it never varied, so you couldn't tell who she was talking as. It made it really easy to follow the conversations,
1: mm. yeah. Maybe I should go back and listen to the audible version now because, as you say on the page, awful. <laughs> I was almost had to like count lines. I was like, Oh, he put make on said here, yeah. count, count, <laughs> count, count. Oh. Okay, so Flynn said this line. Okay, right. Uh, sometimes I just kind of gave up, and I went, "Okay." And someone said right. something. I, it's okay. I'll move on.
0: Your second or your third good point.
1: In contrast to the devil you know, I <laughs> have very few complaints about the writing. Like I thought the writing was excellent. Yeah. In just in terms of just description, no mm-hmm. horrible similes dropped in there. Um, <laughs> pacing, characters to some extent, uh, the phrasing. Talking the ideas, yeah. like everything was. I just felt super comfortable. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I felt really confident in yep. William Gibson's ability to tell this story. You know, I was never like, oh, like questioning, oh, why did he do that, or, or at least not to the extent that it kind of took me out of the story. I was just yep. totally had total confidence in in him telling this story, and he was going to do a good job.
0: I would almost say his writing, especially when you hear it, is a little like poetry. There was like a really good rhythm whenever there was a big description of something. And he gets into like this phrase of um, whenever he describes something almost from a perspective of Flynn, describes it in a way that would make it, that would make Flynn very easily understand it. And it's very unique. Like, I think it's unique the way he writes. I found it to be uh, really interesting. Easy to understand after you get over the initial hurdle of understanding, um, like what it is he's talking about, <laughs> right? So, um, as a good point, I actually said that, um, you know, he actually wrote this, I feel like he wrote this book from that time, meaning, mm. um, it wasn't written in 2016, it was written in,
1: oh, totally, you know, yeah. He, yeah. It's
0: almost like a relic from that time. Like he just wrote it like, okay, this is the story that's happening right now. So I'm just going to type it like it is.
1: Now that you mentioned it, yeah, I got that feeling too.
0: It's not like, yeah, like, okay, let's let's take time to explain what a hefty mart is or like why the hefty mart is so big or what, you know, why all the food is from the sushi barn and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just, he just dives right into it. Um, But it was great that when Flynn was in the future world and was asking questions um, when she was walking around with Wolf Netherton, Mm -hmm. that explanation um, was valid because it was like Wolf Netherton explaining things to her.
1: William Gibson also had fun with that. Um, So we should also add that this this link between worlds goes both ways and Mm -hmm. Netherton can... Also have a presence in in the trailer park world through right. something called the Wheelie Boy, which I take <laughs> it as the iPad on a on a stick, <laughs> right, which we exactly. actually have these days. Yeah, I'm going to read this passage now, um, and this is Netherton in from the Wheelie Boy talking to to Flynn um, in the trailer park world. He got the squid suits and a micro drone for Burton to get me out of pickets. Got the pill bug they use on Burton. Pill bug. No time. Just listen. Griff is the problem. <laughs> Though beer. Griff sitting up to do something here to Luke 4-5. Who? They're just assholes. You listen to me, okay? <laughs> so there's like two opportunities to explain something that has, hasn't yet been explained in this world. And right. like, it's almost like William Gibson is going, nope, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you're just going to have to wait a bit longer. And this, is, I mean, this occurs on page... 374 so you're already in <laughs> quite yep. a ways and like in fact you never find you never really find out what the pill bug is the luke four five organization is i mean you know who they are yeah it was it's briefly always, explained yeah, yeah. it's kind of
0: but it just goes off and saying like they're luke four five yeah which is kind of strange right <laughs> yes i really love stuff like that like and i i really like when um these characters have habits in that world that You wouldn't normally comment on unless you know that world really, really well. So this world, like, you you can print pretty much everything. Like, if you need a new phone, you can get it printed. Mm. And, you know, the fact that, like, a newly printed phone has a particular smell.
1: Mm, Yep.
0: (laughs) Right? And (laughs) she notices it and she smells it. It's like, oh, that's a new phone. That was really clever. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I kind of want to live in a world where you can print your own cronuts. (laughs) Right?
1: I would be amazed if cronuts are still around in 300 years' time, but okay.
0: (laughs) But, like, uh, the fact that the good printers can print them just right,
2: Mm.
1: I
0: think is also, like, another nuance that... Yeah, totally. You know, it's like a... It's one of those things, unless you really know that world really well, it's not something that you can comment on as a a character trait or something that you observe.
1: And just to kind of follow on from that, then... About 20 pages later, uh, Flynn and Netherton are also talking. And at this point, this is yeah, three, page 388. And I'm not sure how I feel about this, but throughout the book, they've been talking about homes with a capital H. On page 388, they finally explain what that is. And I think by this time, you already know what it is. And I was a little bit like, oh, did you really have to explain it there? Mm. Um, so Flynn is, is talking to is talking to uh, to Netherton. They hung tarps to break up the space. This blue's Holmes surplus. Cheapest stuff in Hefty is always Holmes blue. Holmes, he asked. Homeland Security. I think by this time, you you know Holmes is Homeland Security. And I wonder right. why he chose to finally describe it at page 388. You know, yep. i was be like, oh, Pat you just could have left it. <laughs> but <still. laughs> but uh, I think yeah.
0: it's to finally dig into i guess like driving the nail so people are completely sure at that point
1: i was pretty sure by now i was right. like yeah it's this is homeland security they're talking about but
0: but i think like yeah. also it also goes to the point of like maybe in wolf's world like they didn't really have any history of homeland security because there are there are some they pointed out some nuances like that which i thought was really clever Mm. when um uh, she talks about something and wolf doesn't really know what it is and so she explains it and it's like oh right like i've heard about that wolf goes yes i've heard about that yeah um yeah yeah because he's like so far into the future but i also really like the concept that you know even in the future that has like all this high tech you have uh the hipsters which are called neo-primitives that sort of
1: <laughs> you know dig the culture of the past and <laughs> right and yeah, go finding relics from right. the past yes
0: like these are the people that would rather have real coffee that actually tastes kind of shitty but take fact and take joy in the fact that it's actual real coffee whereas like probably a printed coffee <laughs> <laughs> yes is probably the most delicious coffee you've ever, you'll have ever you ever taste
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good point. I hadn't, I didn't actually pick up on that. But yeah, you're right. Neo primitives are total hipsters. You're right.
0: (laughs) And they don't, they don't take like the, the special antibiotic because they want to actually experience colds and stuff. I was like, (laughs) that's so fucking hipster. (laughs) One other thing is just like on the setting, uh, I kind of really like the semi satirical setting Mm -hmm. regarding like, um, I feel like he was a little bit on a soapbox when he explained what the Jackbox, the the jackpot
1: was. Right. Yeah. This is the climactic event, or rather, it's not a single event, is it? It's it's kind of nicely explained. Right. It's a, yeah. It's a and kind I thought, of a culmination of many small events, which right. ends up wiping out most of humanity.
0: And I thought his explanation was so good. Like no one really noticed it until it was too late because. It was never one single thing that did it. It was just like this drawn out thing that no one really... Well, I'm sure people were trying to help it, but like, I mean...
1: Yes, it's like a combination of like uh, climate change... um,
0: Big corporations...
1: Yeah, disease.
0: So I thought that was really interesting too. Mm, Agreed. Agreed. So to the bad points. I thought even there were a lot of good writing and the story was really immersive. I found it a bit boring. There was a There's a point where um, between like, I think like the second act, it just went too long Mm. and I found it a bit boring, but that might've just been me and my commute listening (laughs) to this really information rich story and me falling asleep, missing 10 minutes and missing <laughs> 10 minutes is like seven
1: chapters because each chapter is like one or two pages. Yes, each chapter is super short, yeah. Um, I would agree with you, to be honest. I think even there is a certain detachedness in the storytelling, mm. like even when something exciting is happening, the way it's told, you feel almost detached from it. It was almost told in, uh, in like a flashback form right. like when like uh, burton gets injured in a in a, oh, in a right. fight with luke 4 5 <clears throat> towards the end even then that's something that's quite exciting that's happening it's right. kind of told in a in a flashback like, maybe i can f- oh, so many chapters i probably can't find it damn um <laughs> right okay so this is chapter 89 um griff had made a put on armor for the ride a black magic cotton candy jacket. Burton wore one too. And in a way, that was what nearly killed him. How the lining flash hardened with the energy of the bullet. Fired into the concrete between Burton's feet by a man who was probably already dead when he when his finger pulled the trigger. The bullet ricocheted up, hit the jacket sleeve around Burton's left wrist. So this is that was like the climax of the fight, and it was told right. in like this strange flashback. Way, yeah, even in direct way, right? Because you're, yep. The main action is happening here is that she put on a jacket. <laughs> yep. But the fact of her putting on a jacket now has also meant that Burton's been life-threateningly injured in a kind of right. really unsatisfying way. And yeah, the yeah. rest of the chapter's kind of told in this like
0: sort of flashback and reverse order.
1: Yeah. Right. And then, in, in a way that kind of just sort of drains. Mm. excitement out of it or right tension out of it somehow or like just the visceralness of a battle or or a fight you know
0: there was one fight that i thought was unique but it was also like really really short um is when lobeer is protecting wolf netherton on like the first skirmish like outside of the bar like as soon as he stepped out and she shot something with like her tip staff.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I could probably. I don't think I could find that. Right. Answers, but yeah,
0: I wanna. I wanna write this week's description with all um, <laughs> words from the peripheral. Oh my god! Amazing. nice. <laughs> so yes. like, in which Sam uses the Perry to go to the sushi barn um, in a squid suit. To get him in his squid suit. And in which Edwin uses the tip staff for the wheelie boy to sidestep Luke 4.5. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like- my follow-on point for me would be, it was hard work. Like, parsing what exactly is going on and right. like who's talking. We kind of touched on this earlier, but yeah, parsing what's happening, who's talking, which world you're in, yeah. who's in which peripheral. Yeah. yeah, this is not like a casual... Yeah, it's not an easy read right right which isn't necessarily a bad thing I think for me it's like eating fish <laughs> or eating a crab like the the intricacy and the effort required isn't quite worth the payoff in deliciousness
0: right. but um if you do like crab though it's well True. worth it yes right but
1: for me i don't love crab <laughs>
0: So I think I think you have something there. I think um, it is really hard work to like decipher through all the texts and stuff. But I think if you're a real fan of William Gibson, you sort of taking time to read through everything and really enjoying like the morsels of um, future vision that he has is would be really cool.
1: Yeah, right. I think the fact that we had to review this book on by a certain <laughs> yeah. date kind of meant, I was like, okay, well, leave it, leave it behind, yeah. keep going forward. It's okay. I can't, yeah, I can't exactly. go back. Gotta keep moving forward.
0: <laughs> One of my other bad points is that the act three, like the, the party, happened way too late, mm. I feel, in the story. It happened way too late, and then just that entire climax of that ending and the way that it wrapped up was really conveniently wrapped
1: up. Because it ends up with Netherton and Flynn being captured and the way they escape mm. seems like through no on of their own. It's just like, right. Air comes... Oh, what had she done? She had... Fucking like, badass. Well, she's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> but she had used assemblers to hide a gun in the chair which they were in right. or they'd sent assemblers through the floor... With a gun. And this had a pretty badass gun, which, like, it's not even yeah. a gun. It, it just it's, fires nanobots uh... that eat flesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And it looks like a parrot bird. <laughs> right. Like the beak of a parrot bird. It's, like, brightly colored, too, right? It was, like, this big red beak of a gun.
1: Right. Yes, yeah, so it was almost... I could, like, imagine, like, you just pull its foot or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, perhaps I was reading fast, but... Yeah. Uh, that... The whole thing was kind of a little unclear. Yeah, it was like a little jarring. How as oh. as how they escaped, or like how the setup was made.
0: Oh, um, the it was Burton's mech bot that came in through a a, a false wall
1: oh. that was
0: built by Assemblers, right? And essentially that room was staged by Lobear. Oh, or and something. she knew that's yeah that they would be there
1: deirdre and the bearded man that's the other thing he's called bearded man and then he's called balcony man yeah i wish they'd just chosen to call him balcony well one or the other right. balcony man would make sense yeah i agree like the ending did feel a little rushed yeah and then this wraps up with like what something happened like rainy i still don't know who rainy is
0: so i had to look it up Ah, okay. um, <laughs> rainy is the is a person that wolf used to work with but because they witnessed something together, oh. he got fi- he got fired or like he got let go. So yeah, she was um, a person that he actually liked in his job. But it's really weird. Yeah, I was like, who's this person? <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of characters too. There were a
1: lot of characters, and they're like they're mostly men as well, similar seeming men.
0: Yeah. Anything else that you found bad?
1: Not necessarily a bad thing, but kind of the character descriptions kind of came through drip by drip like mm. the like ash is a woman in in london again i can't really recall where the why the hell she's there or what she did but she has like two eyeballs and she well obviously has, she two, has like, two pupils two pupils no, obviously she has two eyeballs uh, yeah. yeah, two pupils and she has like tattoos that move right and stuff like this but you kind of i guess you kind of drip fed i think the whole Book, you're like drip-fed little bits of information about it, right? Which I think works for like plot and location and story, but for like characters, you almost you kind of want to get a firm idea of the characters so you can at least anchor onto them. Mm-hmm. Whereas since you got these descriptions of who they are, also drip by drip, it, it you didn't have anything to kind of hang on to or to place them perhaps. And because there were so many characters, you kind of forgot who had what or who looked like what.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. It was like, um, in initially, like you do have a hard time understanding which person is which, mm. um, just from like the descriptions and like, wait, who exactly is this person? Like, because you didn't get a clear description of the person. But thankfully for me, like I knew which person was which because of the voice acting.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I really want to hear this now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just—I think it did make it a lot easier. But it was like because you're also not reading things like. Um, or the capitalizations of Hefty Mart and Sushi Mm. Barn and Forever Fab right you're like wait what like is this a place are the you know are they just speaking or is it uh, a noun yeah so that was a little harder to pick up but other than that like I think we can go on to future so this was actually my first I'd say this is my first William Gibson book like my first William Gibson novel
1: yeah I think so too like I don't um, yeah i don't think i've read neuromancer which right. i think is his his favorite his favorite his famous most famous book
0: like overall i really liked it i would say i would recommend it to people
1: i don't think it's a book for everyone right <laughs> you know i think i would find the people who are more eh, what's the word i'm looking for i guess dedicated uh, dedicated maybe or that won't be put off by having to kind of dig through and reread and the effort in you know like it's not yeah. an easy as we said before it's not an easy read um but yeah i enjoyed it um i think though on balance perhaps the my feeling at the end of it was that it perhaps wasn't quite worth the effort <laughs> you know uh, within a fine margin like it's pretty right. close like there was some awesome stuff in there um super interesting but would i have preferred to read something else not the devil, you know, but <laughs> um, yeah, I perhaps didn't love it. Should we say?
0: Yeah, I think that I I have some minor issues with it.
1: It'd be like a three, a three and a half, a three and a half star rating. It would be a four, I want to say. Yeah, I think the like, the intellectual in me wants to like it and go yeah this is so awesome but then just the the pleasure secret, in me was like a little Mm -hmm. bit bored and i didn't really know what was going on the whole time (laughs) yeah that's true if it wasn't
0: written by william gibson i think i would give it a lower score (laughs) which is shameful of me because it shouldn't matter yeah i think i'd agree with you it's like a three out of five for me it's it's a good book but like yeah it wouldn't it for some reason like the concepts didn't really blow me away you know i think when flynn got into the peripheral it felt a bit like Avatar slash Matrix, I I'm glad that they didn't hinge on that aspect to be like the main focal point of the story, right? right? Yeah, like it's even even if the book is called The Peripheral, like the story really doesn't revolve around the peripheral. It's more around this murder that's happening and how like how the future or that like the past of it can be controlled by other means, which I thought was really interesting. There's like this whole socioeconomic thing that's happening
1: but again it's hidden away like the most interesting parts are sort of only just glimpsed at which is interesting but also frustrating
0: right and it reminds me of like this other game Um, there's this game called uh, dark souls okay which is there's no story there's like no one's gonna say oh this is the beginning this is the intro movie you know welcome to the world of dark souls where you're blah 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 it's nothing like that as soon as you start the game you're sort of just start out in this dungeon right and you have to fight your way through, and it's an extremely hard game. You get like a snippet of the story, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. And then it makes it a little bit more interesting.
1: I would say it's a good read.
0: Yeah, I would love to see a movie version of this book.
1: Mm, yeah, me too. This could totally work as a movie, I think. Anyway. Cool, so well done, Sam. Took us a little longer than expected, but right. it is done. this next book next should book. actually... Yes! So yeah, Sam, it's your turn to reveal this next fortnight's book club
0: so the next book shall be sprint how to solve big problems and test new ideas in just five days
1: that sounds like a great work of fiction
0: <laughs> i was actually going to recommend another fiction but i kind of want to s- split it up um yeah i don't want us to go from like fiction to fiction
1: right i was thinking of that but then the problem is Only one of us can only ever choose fiction, and the only other (laughs) of us can choose nonfiction.
0: (laughs) So let's promise that the next book won't be a fiction, so that I can recommend a fiction for the next one. Okay, deal. Yeah, the next book is Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days.
1: Oh, I I saw there was an article about the book cover design. Yes, yes. I think is why I've heard of this.
0: These guys from Google Ventures, they apparently go to different startups and help them solve their problems like test their ideas and this is their um their book on documenting that process so it's three white guys with glasses
1: <laughs> okay
0: jake knapp um john karatsky and Brayden cowitz i wish my last Kautz. name was knapp. Be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. but the book cover uh yeah there was this really interesting post i think it was on medium of course on how they went from like uh, a kind of shitty cover Um, that one of the writers wanted to uh, professionally design cover, which is designed by Jessica Hirsch, who is a really good book designer and typographer.
1: Right, yes, and you kind of saw the progression and the ideas and, Mm -hmm. like, how they... Like, the original cover was fine, and then this one is fucking awesome.
0: I mean, the original cover just looks like uh, one of those Sam's book that's, you know, (laughs) learn, (laughs) excel in 24 hours.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, just missing, you know, having... A calendar with five days on it or something in the background <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> and a guy leaping from like day one <laughs> to day five cool that's a great choice so let me read you the little snippet this is from eric Rees, who is the author of the lean startup
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, sprint offers a transformative formula for testing ideas that work whether you're at a startup or a large organization Within five days, you'll move from idea to prototype to decision, saving you and your team countless hours and countless dollars. A must read for entrepreneurs of all stripes.
1: Entrepreneurs of all stripes. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I've never heard right? of that phrase before, but
0: maybe you know, it means of all ranks.
1: Well, types, stripes. Why don't I <laughs> oh, wow, there really are three white guys with glasses. <laughs> yeah, oh, if you scroll yeah. down. <laughs> Well, well, the first, well, as soon as you uh, name a book, I always scroll down to the page count. This is oh, uh, right. 288 pages, so... Uh,
0: perfectly reasonable. We might that's even good. be able to finish it in one day.
1: What? Well, that's not too <laughs> I crazy. mean,
0: in one week. Yeah, in one okay. week.
1: <laughs> All right, let's do it. Insert jingle here. This week, we both listened to a show called Story in Star Wars. And it's part of a, like a larger podcast series. series? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say network. It's not quite a network, is it? But Story yeah. Wonk, I think it's called.
0: Yeah, so Story Wonk apparently does a lot of uh, story dissection on popular stories like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he also does um, a series on Star Trek and um, some other stuff, which I thought was really interesting. But this one I heard about because it was recommended by one of our coworkers, paul amir so i gave it a chance i heard it and i loved it
1: and then you made me listen to it well you didn't actually you said you listened to it and i was like oh, okay what the hey right since you recommended it on our favorite podcast app overcast bling, uh i was like oh what the hey i'll give it a listen so i was completely unprepared and didn't realize it was a lecture
0: right well he calls it a lecture
1: i think that's a good description of it Oh, God, it's just one guy talking for an hour. Oh, God. But it was so good. Oh, it wasn't.
0: (laughs) No? Oh, my God. He addressed every single thing that I felt um, about the movie and, like, the nuances that I had when people said, oh, it's a repeat. It's a retelling.
1: Maybe this is just the world of what literary criticism sounds like, but the stuff he was saying, I just was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) If you like phrases like, passing of the generational torch. We are all children of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) This is a galaxy where things can be found, and things can certainly be lost. Like a good sandwich. You need a little bit of cheese. (laughs) I struggled with... The language? The language, I think, yes. Right. You can tell it
0: was very um, prepared and written, like an essay.
1: Mm. But it's very well delivered. Like, I was thinking, like, if I had to talk for... An hour kind of, I guess that was scripted. It was, yeah, you couldn't tell if he was no, it
0: memorized must have been scripted. or
1: scripted. Right. I was, he probably was not talking extemporaneously. He didn't stutter at all. Right. No ums or ahs.
0: Yeah. It was <laughs> or very he impressive. he has a very good editor. Um, but here are some points that I really dug, um, which I thought, you know, he, he extracts like one phrase from like the trailers in the movie. And the the phrase that he extracted was, uh, "Yes, it's true. Everything is true." When Han Solo says, "It's talking about the Force." Yeah, and the way he relates that to, um, sort of the, you know, it's like a message from J.J. Abrams saying, "It's kind of his him saying, uh, Star Wars is back. Like what you believed is true, and this is actually, sort of like the." The, the true story of Star Wars continuing.
1: Race right. is like your childhood wasn't in vain.
0: Exactly. And, you know, sure, like we've had that hiccup of the prequel movies, but <laughs> let's forget that. And this is it, right? It's sort of saying that as well, which I thought was like a really good touch mm. or his interpretation. And the other thing that I really liked was, um, he explains a little bit about the sense of recovery. Um, and he, Talks about what J.R.R. token refers to recovery is whenever you read a really good fantasy, um, the moment of recovery happens when you're opening up yourself to like the wonder of the story. Hmm. Right. And I felt like I got that was like one of the first things that I told you about when I watched Star Wars was it made me feel like a kid again. Um, it made me want to learn more about that story or like that world mm, around it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he relates it to, you know, kids loving the pod racing scene because it was so fantastic, uh, mm. even in, like, the episode one movies. And as adults, you know, we didn't open up ourselves to it because we didn't we didn't trust the story that the story was telling, mm. right? So yeah. we kind of closed ourselves off, but kids were a little bit more innocent to that fact. And uh, I thought that was a really good point.
1: Yeah, I'm actually now struggling to think of... The actual content of what he was saying, because I think I was just so hung up on like little phrases here and there, and then just the horror that it was just one man talking for an hour. <laughs> but it was so good.
0: Um, I also like the fact that it's it's uh, it's really a story of like three
1: awakenings. Oh, that's true, and that's a good. Yes, okay. So when he goes yeah. through the all the different awakenings, which is, I guess, that's something mm-hmm. I haven't really thought of. Like, I never really thought about what the title actually meant.
0: I mean, you you kind of suspect that it was Ray's awakening all the time, but it kind of makes sense that it's a, a sort of a three part awakening in tandem.
1: Yes, it's like hers, Finn's, and
0: Han Solo's,
1: and also our dude D two wakes up too <laughs> at the end. Yeah, <laughs>
0: they should have called it Star Wars: The Wake Up Call.
1: Uh, beside the seaside, <laughs> beside the seaside. I think if you can get past some of the floral language, then there is there's lots of good stuff there but I struggled. (laughs) (laughs) I did skim some of the show notes for the previous episodes of Story and Star Wars, and I started to read StarWarsRingTheory.com. It's interesting. I'm not sure if I totally buy it. In the past, on this show, I have been a George Lucas sympathizer, and this Mm. kind of takes on the idea that the prequels were better than we collectively thought. Or at least Lucas was trying to do something more grand or more interesting than we gave him credit for. So it's interesting. It's, it's crazy right. long. Like I've There's about 10 pages and each of those pages is like at least 10, 15 screens. So crazy long, crazy rabbit hole to go down, but mm. um, certainly interesting. It's sort of the idea that the prequels are arranged in a ring cycle. Right. So, there's a lot of mirroring and similarities and reversals between the prequels. So, like, episode one matches episode six, episode two matches episode five, episode three matches episode four. Interesting. Interesting. Not sure I... I yeah, totally it seems like a
0: stretch, it, just from what you're explaining.
1: A lot of the evidence is, you know, side-by-side screenshots of, like, oh, this is, these two shots are similar. Right. Which I, sometimes you're like, okay, I get it. But sometimes you're like, well, in a Star yep. Wars movie, there are only so many types of shots you're going to You know, it's going to be, it's going to be spaceships and there's going to yeah. be people there's walking be around. There's going to be people and, with swords. And, yeah, right. Um, but interesting, nevertheless.
0: Did you ever see that dissection of the Robocop film? So someone did this, dis- this this visual dissection of the movie and even the beats is, from the beginning up to a midpoint in the movie... It's reflected almost theme by theme and shot by shot after that midpoint.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, I think, and they kind of is this is where they show it as a clock, like a circle, and then they mark points on it, and it's right. all like mark mark plot points. And you yeah, see that they it's even do
0: it like side by side by and uh, like a timeline, hmm. and it's pretty crazy how everything matches up.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit more of a leap to uh, make that work for the prequels. <laughs> for the prequels, <laughs> yeah. Give it a listen. It was, it was kind of nice to revisit Star Wars because I haven't really thought about it for like a f- few weeks. Or so <laughs> that was fun. And April 1st, I believe, is the uh, release date for digitally downloading and Blu-rays and whatnot. Gotcha. So I did have a question. Sam, uh, I need a new game to play on my phone. Yes, on your phone. What recommendations do you have? I've deleted... Touchstone I've (laughs) given up on it I am sorry Touchstone I wanted to like you but I got stuck yep and a little bit bored
0: what kind of game are you in the mood for?
1: Um, puzzle not much reading Mm -hmm. Um, I like to play on a subway so anything that requires reactions or timing is not great but I could make it work so yeah things that have been good in the past like two dots uh, yeah the puzzle parts of Touchstone desert golfing (laughs)
0: Right, so Dexterity Games is not going to be a thing for you.
1: I mean, not so much, at least. I did play Jelly Jump for a little while.
0: So I would actually recommend you this game called Twofold, but I found this really annoying problem where it shuts off whatever you're listening to in the audio.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I couldn't
0: stand it. Yeah, I even turned off the sound and all the, the background music and all that stuff, and it would still continually shut off
1: oh, that's just really sloppy programming. I can can fix that for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm sure you can. And, you know, tons of games are doing it, and I don't understand why they're doing this. It's just really annoying. So I do have a game for you. (sighs) Okay. Which is a little bit older. I'm going to download it live on air. Uh, It's called Framed. Okay. So the premise is, uh, I think you're a spy. You're trying to escape from these people that are chasing you.
1: Change the order, change the outcome.
0: Yes. And so, what you're doing is like a comic book, um, you're changing the panels around. Oh. But as you do so, it allows for your character to escape in, in like the order that you change the panels around.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Thank you, Sam. I shall report back next week. How is your ninja of the week?
0: Uh, why don't you tell me? Why don't we do a live preview? Oh. I feel it's slightly better, but. Um... Well, you just
1: ruined it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here we go
1: oh he is sad he is is mournful i love the facial expression like you're right you could totally convey sadness but i feel like the shading was i preferred the shading on ninja 3 to ninja 4
0: but really the only thing that was shaded in ninja 3 is just the jawline and i feel like Mm. that was a mistake
1: but then you also get like the shadow of his head on the top of his shoulders and his neck yeah which i kind of liked
0: so i think what i'm trying to do is i'm exploring different styles right i feel like this style is a little bit more um like cartoony like anime yeah um which i kind of want to move away from it's just something that i'm more comfortable with the big thing here is that i felt a lot more comfortable with the stylus and i think it it shows in my rendering comparing it to the second one which I was still really struggling with just even drawing curves and stuff. I felt like I had to make a lot of compromises. I'm going to try a completely different style for the next one.
1: Cubist, perhaps?
0: Uh, More (laughs) illustrative, (laughs) like something that you'd see in like the New Yorker magazine.
1: Cool. I need to go to the bathroom. So if that's not a great reason to finish a show, I don't know what is.
0: You're going to have to do a lot of editing on that one.